Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently on him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways and when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath do not fret, it only leads to evil. The word of God. You may sit down. This morning we are going to continue our sermon series that Pastor Icky began last week with starting off with Psalms 23. And today we are going to continue our journey together, our short four-week journey in the book of Psalms by taking a look at Psalms 37. Now, as you have just read, Psalms 37 is maybe not like the happiest Psalms in all of the book. It's maybe not the most joyful and therapeutic Psalms that you go to just to refresh your day and just be inspired, but it's a little bit interesting, intriguing, and for me, it was truly a blessing this week that in all of that happened, this was reminded to me of where to keep my focus. I wanna start out with a story of my time in kindergarten or first grade. I can't remember if it happened in kindergarten or first grade, and so as I talked to my mom last night, she started to send me visuals of first grade Lizzie and, second, and kindergarten Lizzie. So to give you the full picture of me in, in kindergarten or first grade, I thought I would show you some pictures. Um, so up on the screen, you'll see a picture of me. Uh, I think this is kindergarten. I was pretty cool. I mean, look at me with Clifford, the big red dog, Dog, my pink Barbie sunglasses. I was ahead of the trends then. So I think this was me in kindergarten. And then the next picture, I think, is the first day of first grade. Um, this is my uncle Matthew. He moved into our family when I was four years old and is still living with our family today. And he is just an incredible human being. And so this was, for, I think, the first day of first grade. So this is the visual that I want you to remember when you're thinking of this story that I'm about to tell you, okay? Because I'm cute in this photo. Like, nobody would, like, this is adorable, right? Can we all agree on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, what happened is, I was a pretty social person. I mean, I still am a pretty social person, um, but in, when I was little, I knew no stranger. Every stranger was just a friend that I had not yet met. And this is because my dad, who my mom is a little embarrassed by sometimes, is the same way. My dad will literally talk to anyone, anywhere. He will talk to the person at the grocery store. He will talk to the person driving by. Like, anybody he sees is an instant friend. And so growing up, I saw this behavior, and I was like, oh, me too. I'm just going to talk to everyone. And so when I started school, it was, not, it was just like that as well. 
I started and when I walked into the classroom, I wanted to make sure that every person around me felt loved and valued. And so kind of like the teacher almost, I would go around to each of the kids and say, hello, welcome to class today. We're so happy you're here. My parents would make fun of me and say like, are you the teacher of the class? Where are you doing that? And so one day after a few weeks of being in school together, I looked and realized that there was one girl who was coming consistently late to class every single morning. She came into class late. And she, when she came in, she looked angry. She looked upset. She looked annoyed that she had to be there. I mean, I get it. Sometimes you don't want to be in places, but every single day, every single day she would come in late and frustrated. And so I came home one day and I told my parents what I had seen and they said, well, maybe you could greet her and wish her well and make her day a little bit happier. And I thought, that is a brilliant idea. That's what I should do. I should say hello to her. I should welcome her in like the rest of the people and make her feel loved and special. And so I practiced this phrase that I said in my head over and over for the next 12 hours or whatever. Anna, which is not the girl's name, but I'm gonna keep her her dignity there. I said, Anna, I'm so sorry you're having a bad morning, but I hope that that it will get better. I repeated this phrase in my mind over and over and over again. And as I got up the next morning, I was pumped to see Anna. I was excited. I was thrilled. And as I got in the car, I recited the phrase, Anna, I'm so sorry. Your morning's probably been rough, but I hope it gets better. I walked into the classroom that morning and greeted all of those who were around me, let them know that they're loved, let them know that they're special, did my rounds as the teacher's pet. And I went over to my desk and waited for Anna. The teacher began to play some music on the piano and I looked and waited patiently until I saw Anna enter into the classroom. Anna looked frustrated. Anna looked angry and she threw her backpack over where the backpacks were meant to be and she came stomping over to the desk, which just happened to be right next to me. And this is where I prepared every moment that I had been wanting to do in the last 12 hours. I turned to her with a big smile on my face and I said, Anna, I'm so sorry. Your morning has seemed a little bit rough, but I hope it gets better. And with the cutest face in all of the land, she looked right back at me and scowled and got really angry and took her fists and punched me right in the stomach. Immediately, of course, I screamed in horror because I was adorable. And why were you punching me? I was just wishing you well. Why would that happen? So the teacher came over and said, what happened? What, what was going on? Of course, all of the class started to come around us as well. And I was confused. <laughs> I was like, what just happened here? I was just trying to be kind. And the teacher said, all right, we need to have you guys both go to the, the nurse. And then I'm going to send you both to the principal's office. The principal's office? I did nothing wrong. I was just trying to be a kind human being, right? I was just trying to be welcoming to the people around me. 
And so as I sat in front of the principal's office with an upset tummy, probably more so from the stress than the actual punch of another first grader, I was frustrated. It's not fair that I did something good and I'm getting punished for it. It's not fair. It's not right. I don't get it. And so as I read Psalms 37, the verse and chapters that we are going to be taking a look at today, the chapter is kind of centered in the tone of, I don't get it. When things happen, I just don't get it. I'm frustrated that sometimes I do good and it's just not, it doesn't pay off. This morning, we're going to be taking a look at Psalms 37, and specifically the first eight verses of the Psalms. Now, if you have your Bibles open and you're looking at the Psalms, you may think it is 40 verses long. And for the sake of going to potluck a little bit later, I'm going to shorten it down to the first eight verses. So let's begin with the first two. The first two verses of Psalms 37, one and two say, do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who will do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. I'm gonna be 100% honest with you. God really played a game on me this week. Because this week, I was fretting a lot. I was worrying a lot. I was incredibly anxious. Because I had car issues. Now, if you're like me, car issues are probably the worst issue that you can deal with and just an unexpected thing because I'm not a car person. I don't know anything about cars. And so over the last week, I've probably been in the auto, I don't even know what to call it, that's how bad I don't know about cars, the auto care centers of uh, Riverside and beyond at least five or six different times over this week. And let me tell you, the fretting that I was doing while in those places was a lot. I was anxious, I was frustrated, because every time they came out to talk to me, they were telling me that something else was wrong. Like they said the left arm of my car was wrong. I didn't even know my car had arms. Like I, I was like, sure, fix it, please, if it needs that. I was anxious. Every quote that they sent to me, every additional thing that they had to order, everything was really anxious to me. And so I sat there in the lobby of all of these auto care places and I opened up my computer to read these verses in Psalms 37. And I thought, wow, God, you're really, you're really playing with me because the first few verses says to do not fret. Do not fret. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. This poetic, this poetic words that is here in the first two verses of Psalms 37 really lays the foundation of how we ought to act and behave. Now, I want to stop here really quickly and say that as I began to write and study for our time here together, I was reminded in Psalms 37 that there is still faithfulness in my worry, and there is still fret, and in my fretting, there is still hope. It was a beautiful reminder to me that God is always in the midst of everything that happens, that in my worry, there is still faithfulness. 
and in my fretting, there is still hope. You see, I wanna be abundantly clear this morning and say that our human emotions are really important. God created us with beautiful emotions to be expressed. There's nothing more beautiful than seeing the emotions that kids bring to a space, the energy, the enthusiasm. In Sabbath school, I see it every week, and it makes me so happy, a little tired, but really, really, really happy. Our emotions are a beautiful gift that God has given us. And they are valid and real. And there is absolutely nothing worse than being told that the emotions that you're feeling are not valid, are not important. I had a friend in college that every time I would like express something kind of deep and vulnerable to her, she'd be like, same. And I was like, no, it's not same. Like, those are how I'm feeling. And it would just disregard all of the feelings that I was feeling. And so I want you to know that our emotions and feelings are valid and real, What you're feeling is important, not only to your family, but our community as a whole. I don't know if anybody has seen the movie Inside Out before. Inside Out is a Disney Pixar movie about a a young girl named Riley. And Riley is living in the Midwest, and her parents tell her that she is needing to move to San Francisco, California. I kind of relate to Riley a little bit because I was also living in the Midwest and then came to California, but that's beside the point. Anyway, Riley is this 11-year-old, and in this movie, each of the uh, little characters on the screen represents a feeling. So we have the feeling of joy and sadness. We have the feeling of disgust and anger. We have the feeling of rage or, or fear. And all of these characters in this movie kind of set up a behind-the-scenes visual of what it looks like in young Riley's mind as she's processing this major move from the Midwest all the way to California. In the movie, led by Joy, the Joy is the one who is coming down, well, the one who looks joyful. (laughs) Joy is the one who looks joyful. And she kind of leads this charge in the movie. And then all of a sudden, in, through the movie, we see that joy and sadness get lost in the, fore, back, the back part of Riley's brain. And the only ones who are leading the headquarters, quote unquote, of Riley's mind is anger, fear, and disgust. The movie is a visual backstage pass of the processing of emotions of young Riley's mind. And this week, as I was reading and studying and watching little clips about this movie, I read a blog that said, Inside Out shares a visual reminder to kids and adults that it's okay to feel the emotions you feel. How we deal with them is what makes us the people that we are. Emotions are valid and normal. And as we look at Psalms 37 here today, we see that the psalmist is looking at the unfairness of the world around them. The unfairness and uncertainty and saying, even amongst all of that, God is faithful and there is still hope. So in the feelings of frustration and worry, let us continue to look through the lens of God's faithfulness and God's hope. 
You see, the beautiful thing about Psalms 37 is that the message just doesn't stop at worrying and fretting. It gives us additional action points to move forward to. It says just don't stop in worrying. It gives us an additional thing to say here. Instead of doing that, do this. The psalmist knows that the best antidote for fretting is to trust in God and in God's faithfulness, which is an action all on its own. As I read Psalms 37, another story in the Bible came to my mind, a story that you may be familiar with. And for those of you who are not familiar with it, it's found in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. This story is about two sisters. I have a sister myself. Uh, She's a little bit older. My family adopted her into our family when I was about 10 or 12 years old, and she has Down syndrome. My sister is everything to me. I love her dearly, and I love the joy that she has brought into my family. But just because she's a little bit older than me doesn't mean that we still have that sister rivalry. You know, there have been many times in my life where I would come home from school, and she would be in her room, and she would just kind of look at me, and I would look at her, and I'd go in my room, and I would scream, Holly! My dad would be like, what is, what is going on? What is happening? I'd be like, Holly stole this, or Holly did this to my room, or Holly did that. There's something with sometimes siblings that go back and forth in banter. And so we see in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, we see these two sisters, Mary and Martha, together. A story I really, really relate to. The story is Mary and Martha are there together, and Jesus and the disciples come into this town where Mary and Martha are living. And Mary, the older sister, feels the need to do all of the things in preparation, right? Martha is over here getting all the things ready. She is cooking the dinner. She is cleaning the house. She is, you know, putting up pictures. I I don't know. She's doing all of the things. And she expects that her sister would be right on her side doing those same things. Martha expects, as the older sister, to say, hey, Mary, come on, like, I need your help. And Martha, being the older sister that she is, when she sees Mary sitting there at Jesus's feet, she's frustrated. She's angered. She's like, how does Mary have the audacity just to sit here when I am doing everything for everyone? I understand where Martha is coming from. I get angered like that too. I would be frustrated too. I would be like, Mary, the table needs to be set. Mary, the soup needs to be stirred. Mary, I need your help. And so Martha in her frustration and in her fret and in her annoyance goes to Jesus. And this is the part of the story that I think is actually so incredibly amazing. That in her frustration and anger, she literally tattletales to Jesus. And she's like, hey, Jesus, um, I'm doing all of these things, and Mary isn't doing any of that. And not only does does Martha tell Jesus and complain to Jesus, but then Martha tells Jesus to tell Mary to go do it, to go work. Martha literally says, uh, Jesus, go and tell Mary to help me. She's frustrated, she's angered, she's upset. 
And in Luke 10, 41, it says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but the few things that are needed or indeed are only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. And Martha's fretting and Martha's anxiousness and Martha's, that's not fair. <laughs> Jesus simply says, Mary, Mar I mean, Martha, slow down, listen. Martha did what was normal, but Mary did what was needed. Martha did what was normal, but Mary did what was needed. In the fewest words possible, Jesus speaks life into Martha, saying, I hear your frustration. I understand. I understand your anger and the actions in which you have taken to get to your, that point. But what I am saying is that the actions that you are taking are not choosing to draw closer to me. And the actions that you are choosing are not what is drawing me closer to you. Jesus is calling Martha into action. And not necessarily Martha's actions of cleaning the house, not the actions of caring for everyone around her, but the actions of simply being still. But truly the actions that are needed in this story is the action of Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, abiding in Jesus' presence. Just as Jesus was seeking for Martha to dwell as Mary did, the Psalms is here in Psalms 37 is literally telling us to dwell in the trust of God, to feed on God's faithfulness. And instead of moving in the actions that are normal and natural to us, to go out of our way and do what is out of sorts for everyone else who is looking at us, to simply stop what we're doing and dwell in the presence of Jesus. I wanna be abundantly clear when I say that dwelling in the presence of Jesus doesn't mean that we're sitting here in time out. It doesn't mean that we're kind of in the corner, curled up and we're like, all right, I'm just gonna abide in Jesus over here, don't talk to me, leave me alone. That's not what abiding in Jesus necessarily means. Abiding in Jesus is a call to action a call to movement. Being a follower of Jesus is a call to action, the action of pushing ourselves out of what is normal and challenging ourselves to do what is needed. The action of listening and preparing for what, instead of, the action of listening instead of preparing what we might say after somebody speaks. The action of loving those who the rest of the world may not love. The action of standing up for those who do not have a voice. We are called to action, to do, not only to move and to, and to go out, but we are called in action to dwell in the presence of Jesus. Following Jesus, following Jesus is a call to action. And in Psalms 37, it's all of the actions that are listed here. We see that the action to live in the land and cultivate faithfulness, to delight yourself in the Lord, to commit your ways to the Lord, trust in him, rest in the Lord, and wait patiently on him. 
Each of the phrases here in Psalms 37 call us into action, but in a way that ensures our actions are focused in the dwelling of Jesus. At Union College, uh, for those of you who may not know, I went to Union College for my undergrad, and I loved my time at Union. And if you've ever lived in the Midwest, you would know that it's maybe just a smidge bit colder um, in the Midwest than it is here in Southern California. And because it's so cold in the Midwest, they have these really heavy doors. Now, I don't know, I, I think it's because of the cold, but I could be absolutely wrong. But the doors at Union College are incredibly heavy, like really heavy. <laughs> and so... I know it's to keep out the cold, but it sometimes feels like they're trying to keep out the students because you just it's like a workout every time you try to open the door. And after my first few months of being at Union College, I realized that there was a culture there of opening doors for one another. I was kind of like, wow, they're so kind and nice. Like, this is an amazing community. But I realized that the reason why they were helping open doors is because they were tremendously heavy. You see, no matter where you went in the school, no matter where you were in the administrative building or you were in the math and science building, even if you were a long ways away, somebody would always stand and wait for you to come through the door. Somebody was there to open the door whether your hands were full or your hands were empty. No matter what, people were always there to open your door. I love that. At first I thought it was just kind of a fluke, but the more I was there, the more I realized that this is what this community does. It helps when there is a need. And the story of Mary and Martha, we said that we see that there's a beautiful visual of what is not normal, Martha doing what is normal, but Mary doing what is needed. And that's exactly what happened at Union College. It may not be normal to the rest of the world around us, but it was needed for that community. It may not be what was normal to the rest of the world, but it was needed for our little community, the helping hand of those around us. What this tradition has taught me is that when one person's load is heavy, there's always an opportunity to make action and move where there is needed. I think that there's beauty in Psalms 37 to not only dwell in the faithfulness and hope of Jesus, but to take action together as individuals and a collective community. For when we are taking action together, when one person is worried, when one person is frightful, when one person is holding a heavy load, together collectively as a community, that can be light. We can be light together if we move together. May we be an ashen-filled community dwelling in the presence and faithfulness of Jesus.